API Resilience Podcast. It's our belief that APIs are central in the changing business landscape that has been named digital transformation, and that digital transformation through APIs offers the opportunity for a dramatic shift in how companies can work together and participate in creating value. We've invited guests from many different types of organizations and asked them to share insights from their journeys and their API programs, as well as the challenges, objectives, and approaches as they endeavor to make their companies and communities more resilient. API is an abstract concept. You can't touch it, you can't really smell it, but it's all around. Software is eating the world, but APIs are running the kitchen at the end. Instead of telling people, no, you're not compliant, now you're out. The exact opposite of what we want to achieve. We want to make transparent. We want to embrace them on, on the central platform. Being a digital company is really not just about the success of delivering some great piece of software. Now let's listen to today's conversation. And welcome to this episode of API Resilience Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Winberry, with my co-host, Christoph Van Toma. And we're continuing a conversation that we had with Robin Meissner from Tweet Group. Hopefully you've listened to the first episode. If you haven't, uh, please check it out. Uh, we get into how an API program can support personalization. And in this episode, we're going to get more into the nuts and bolts of running an API program. So yeah, great to be here. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the whole audience. So, so uh, um, you joined TUI in 2019 in May. That is now... Uh, it's going to be two years, yeah. yeah. Which is basically give it a few extra months. It's well, no, it was it's more. It, it's half a year non-corona, but all the rest is <laughs> corona. But you came in, and you you've been one of the central architects for the API program, as far as I understood, or or like the the more strategic yeah. thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how how has that been, and like what are the lessons that you've learned? At, at this company, what did you expect and what was like unexpected? Yeah, so it's always hard uh, or I, I try to avoid to have too many expectations. As, as mm -hmm. I said, it's always good to have the end in mind. And of what I think about the perfect um, travel experience, and it always begins also before, even before traveling. So I just remember uh, when doing my job interview, I talked about what you could all um, use, let's say, so starting from smart TVs and then seeing those travel documentations and then telling my TV, hey, please save this uh, half a year. I com come back and want to go there. So that's a little bit um, of visioning uh, where you want to go. And I jumped in really just at the beginning. Of course, the program somehow was running for something around a year so there was some promotings already um, but nothing really crucial um, and they asked me to jump in and i had already had some some background and in, in doing an api program in german telecom so i at least 
and knew what I would expect. And it was a great group of people sitting in, in the CTO office at this time. So the, my team, my colleagues um, for big data, artificial intelligence, for, for the cloud stuff. So we're really a team of uh, leaders and, and architects. And I had the chance really to grow this up from the beginning. But just two weeks um, after I joined, there was the first API that went and was built to, to go into production. So the first real use case without any additional team already built up. So it was nice. then two yeah. weeks. Okay, for now, um, luckily it was... A, the solution was as service, so it was not something on-prem to be installed, configured, maintained, but still it needed some, some central team to set up, and it was quite challenging. So what we did, and the, this first API also was not something um, like, yeah, this kind of integration between the financial system and some pre-billing or whatever. It was really some of those use cases. It was our select your room. So um, you can book uh, your accommodation uh, at Tui Hotel, but you can already select the room you want to be placed in. So not only seaside view or garden view or a kind of category. So you could really select the room. So you could see, could see let's say, the floors. You could see there's the restaurant, there's the pool. And you can say, okay, I want to sit at the poolside or I want to have it quiet in the back garden. Uh, area or something like this. So it was some of those use cases always presented to the management. You didn't want to fail, is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was something like like a lighthouse, and it it was successful. So let's uh -huh. say so the API itself was was very successful. I mean, it was already built, so it was not my part in this story. Um, but we went live. We built up the team, um, and then it's starting like every time so i needed i think at least a year to get known to all the people all the stakeholders as you said we are a very global company it took some time to travel around and to gain that kind of trust we have this central group story and we want to engage with everyone and we started really with um, from a technology perspective um, with four different um, API management platforms in the different markets yeah. and one step was to consolidate this yeah it was not that easy but we achieved it uh, we achieved it on time yeah um, and this was really the first year we, we really could see, let's say, a starting adoption. And the more we interacted and also I'm more the kind of guy to, to partner with the different divisions because it was quite clear um, those APIs will not be built by a central team, but by local development teams. So yeah. part of one part of their story is always trying uh, to expose some internal services also via APIs um, to our partners. So it was quite clear we don't have 100 central developers um, that, that are running a central development program. Instead, it should be something really federated and really more engaging with the different um, teams in the different markets. And yeah, it somehow was was really successful. And then we had Corona, as you said. I just yeah. coming back um, from the Netherlands uh, from the last planned um, API Roadshow uh, series we did to engage with the local teams. 
what we have seen, let's say, the more and more you engage and the more stories we had, the easier it became to tell something to people how we really, what is our vision and, and how we really approach, because you could show more and more examples and gain trust, let's say, by, by what you already delivered, let's say, and what, what is the value of what you delivered. So our financial years is always from end of summer season to the next summer season. I think that's quite uh, typical for travel companies. For sure, after half a year, it is quite difficult to, to see. It, it wasn't even 100 days to see what did we already approach. But after one and a half years, uh, I remember looking at the things and also what we expected. We had, let's say, after two weeks, we already had the, the, the whole traffic of, of the first year, 2019. The whole interactions uh, of, of one financial year in, in those two weeks, um, which was really a success story. Uh, I mean, we talked about it's it's not always about just about KPIs and just about metrics. It's a little bit more and not only the numbers, but also the numbers helped us, of course, to tell our story yeah. because they were successful. And that enabled us and, and enabled my team to gain trust. I mean, we had the trust from my boss, but um, of course, also backing them um, to, to go to the board and ask for the fundings. We pretty much focused then on the internal story, so internal APIs and um, the, the external sales channel, but not that typical third party approach yeah. because um, with Corona, um, many of those partner engagements um, just were stopped. Yeah. Because of uncertainty. It's interesting to think if if there's like if there's a, a Twilio or a stripe of the travel industry that is that can be built in here. Um but I agree that that's a really tough one because you have to yeah. then you have to be ready to sell other people's stuff also. Like and both of those are highly regulated industries yeah. where quality is kind of to some extent a given because it's it's already provided by the network yeah. through which those transactions flow but i think in in travel it's a different story there's a lot more uh, unregulated space and a lot more cowboy experiences <laughs> that <laughs> that might not uh, not not fit with the brand yeah yeah those both are also always stories when when we internally talk about apis that we promote especially to the, the business side because they could not always imagine what this means in terms of market capitalization. Yeah. But if you have 98 billions, I think now yeah. was last week, um, or 40 billions, 36, or what, what is um, for, for Stripe, um, that's something. And it's at the end, it's kind of API program, just an API yes. program, let's say. That's quite kind of interesting, um, but that's not how we started um, because we were an existing company, especially in, in something that's called a high asset market. So we own, not necessarily now after the crisis, but big part of our airline, let's say our airplanes, um, our cruise ships, partly our hotels. Um, that's completely different um, from just being a provider in a market yeah. and yes. a distribution channel. And that will be interesting maybe how this develops further, how this kind of changes and, and reshapes. Um, and of course, from a business perspective, it's also um, how much disruption are you 
willing to take how do you want to cannibalize your own business yes. somehow yes that's always the question <laughs> that's yeah, so yeah from a techie side of you those are really really interesting um, <laughs> but you need to be backed up somehow with existing money <laughs> sponsoring this yeah I, i think that businesses are too afraid of cannibalization i think that an api program needs to embrace um it, it depends on the the culture of the business and how risk averse how conservative they are but being willing to break your own business if you don't break it someone else is going to the the challenge is breaking and reinventing and uh, always being ready to to reinvent be be your own disruptor instead of waiting for someone else to disrupt you exactly advice this kind of um, innovation playground I think one of the big problems, um, at least for the business, and when business is not necessarily already digital, um, is then quoting uh, Kai Lumich on this, um, you can't kiss an API. So it's really an ab abstract concept. You can't touch it. You can't really smell it. But it's all around. Uh, I mean, uh, software is eating the world, but APIs are running the kitchen at the end. And, and that's somehow really to envision people why we are doing this because it will be the essential part of our connections and our experiences between partners and consumers in the future and that's the business value coming through this yeah it's really hard to understand and and i think i i i've been talking about or i've been seeing it as like the information highway and you you want to make it accessible to everybody not yeah. just to developers Yeah, but it's it still is a very abstract concept. I think that comes back to to something that I also remarked that we've seen a lot happening in successful API programs is that the API leads basically becomes an internal developer relations advocate that that goes around the different teams, kind of like you know showing the path. This is how we're going to do it. Yeah, yeah actually, actually, that's that's what we're doing. So together with the colleagues. Um, that are driving our DevOps transformation, for example, that are driving our cloud journey. All this comes somehow together. We need to embrace this as, as one team and see how this all re relates to each other. How we can we enable, let's say, more autonomous and faster deliveries, more agile approach on, on building applications based on, on microservices and on all that's um, beyond this. Um, That's yeah exactly one thing uh, we're trying to do and and see it really as as a whole picture as a whole transformation and it also helps then um, the API program as this is as, as we said the, the most abstractive of all even compared to cloud computing because everyone can understand and also can understand what the value is by being more flexible and, and having on-time resources. One of the main parts coming back to this still is that technology is only half of an API story. Let's say the other half yes. is how to, to build those products, how to enable API products let's say, how to monetize this. Yeah, when, when talking about, I, I like this picture of information, but I think it is not necessarily only about 
giving access to their data silos, but the other way around, we want to achieve to be able to enable, let's say, uh, artificial intelligence, um, high performance decision making. And I mean, so we need to open up our entry doors uh, to that decisioning uh, to be able, let's say, to change state, not only to get yes. access to the data, but really allowing our automated uh, systems, let's say, uh, to, to change actually and reshape our whole uh, structures. The real value is to create an information singularity. It's where you have so much information collecting together that it, be it develops its own gravity the usage of that information becomes a source of information itself. And the more information you have and the more it's being used, the more you learn and the more sustainable your, your competitive advantage becomes. And, and also that's what we always try to do to get real-time information. So yeah. we have all of those big inventory systems and the enterprise architecture and uh, whatever. Um, but when it comes to on real-time, on-demand information. So really see what's going on, how's the user experience. Then it's something um, gathering those information somehow centrally, um, or at least distributed and, and feeding that data back. Um, and this is one part of, of our API story. Let's say yeah. being able to detect those things, to measure, and also to then predict or at least seeing the outliers in, in the yeah. behavior and how business and uh, let's say technology come together. So and how do you drive this? Because I think that in an organization that's grown through acquisitions, I think one of the key questions is, is like, how are you going to govern the API space? Like, how do you create enough similarity to create a good experience while also not stifling uh, innovation. Like I've seen different approaches. I've seen organizations going a very strict structured way, which is like, okay, our APIs, this is our standard, and everybody now needs to go and implement this. And then others take a more loose-handed approach. Like what, what's your take on this? I, probably a really hard question. <laughs> but, yeah. Not necessarily. Um, so of course we want to define our standards and there, there is what we want to achieve and that is our principles and that goes then even deeper that's how we want to structure our apis that are the things necessarily that's how we uh, enable tracing of our interactions that are the technical uh, headers uh, that we want to include and that our basic principles on enabling resource-based uh, data and thinking on creating affordances so there are a lot of things. Of course, as, as it's quite a limited team, not just in the amount of time, of course, I could maybe write uh, 10 books about it uh, with, with all the experience, with all the people um, talking, uh, how does good look like, but nobody would read and want to read them maybe. Um, <laughs> and they, they still keep focusing on implementing it. So what, what we are built um, is some kind of self-assessment, so some building blocks you put in your CI-CD pipelines that is then doing the linting on the API specifications, doing the basic stuff. And of course, there is one central border where we are really strict that when it comes to security, right. not taking the risk. On, on the other side, we all set our expectations very high 
but we would like to have those APIs on board. So instead of telling people, no, you're not compliant, now you're out, the exact opposite of what we want to achieve. We want to make it transparent. We want to embrace them on, on the central platform. And it might take another increment, another iteration then on this piece of, of, of interface. Um, yeah. So the idea is um, I try to engage with the people. I try to help and try not to expose something obviously stupid and something we're just quoting uh, Phil Sturgeon. So build APIs uh, you won't hate yourself, mm -hmm. but it mustn't be perfect, at least uh, the first shot. I mean, that. Uh, otherwise you need three years up front uh, and do all that planning and then you publish an API, but your business uh, problem doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. This also relates to Conway's law about how Always. yeah, the structure of your organization is going to dictate your architecture. I think that's trying to plan the ideal structure for a conglomerate is a lost cause. And you can spend years and years and still yeah. end up with something that doesn't work. I think that probably the only way that it really works is to create a platform team that is going to be focusing on providing those platform services and that then through the communication can actually build something that works. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. that's exactly the approach. And uh, quoting a colleague of mine, so we changed uh, from that monolith systems now to distributed monoliths, <laughs> partly knowing that we need to break things further down, but yeah. it can be another step. I'm completely fine. And also, yeah, there might be three different APIs doing the same thing at the end, but for different markets. And yeah, in the next step, we can think about standardizing those or bringing it closer together. And at the end, it then also needs some kind of common vocabulary we want to achieve. And, and that's something I think it's it's really interesting. Um, there is this um, BBC things um, categorizations. Mm -hmm. It's all a, a little bit about uh, mm -hmm. semantic web and, and all that stuff mm -hmm. um, to get some common understanding um, of your data and not only when talking about integrations, talking about some data transformation. Yeah, I mean, that's naturally that you need to change or you can waste a lot of time on is this field better named customer number or the customer ID and what is the type of, of, of element? And I don't want to waste time in, in this. And if it's not consistent on that part of attribute, yeah, then that's it. I mean, just start with something and really try to yeah, give some, some value um, by make it as accessible at all, knowing that for, for a perfect world, you need another three increments and maybe another four years. Yeah, that's it. I mean, we, we need to start somewhere and we need to get some things running to yeah, go further and not to debate how perfect look looks like for the, in the next three years. And that's how we approach it. And also, um, as I said, we don't have really a big central team. We have a team that's providing um, the platforms and providing the things uh, we want to further develop because... We think those are valuable, those are disruptive, or those maybe are a leading uh, or state-of-the-art somehow for technology reasons. But uh, mostly those two pizza-sized teams haven't time enough 
to really think about this. So that's why we are still doing those proof of concepts and building um, yeah, examples um, how you would maybe do if you would be Google or Spotify or, or Netflix or something. Um, but it's really, really a small focused piece. And it's also quite difficult because, of course, for the central platforms teams, we try um, mostly to one software um, we, we get from our vendors because, of <laughs> course, we don't build API gateways. Um, we are not an API platform company. Um, so we have more a team of um, site availability engineers than still developing software, but not developing customer-facing software, but developer-facing software. And those then still try to make some of the blueprints, but it then needs some interaction with the real developer teams to see, okay, is this sufficient for your ways of working and for your life cycle and, and how you approach? Because we can, of course, we can build uh, some, some unified blueprint or building block but it will maybe never work with your technology or your choice of framework. And we also don't want to anticipate because you run your service locally and that's then your choice. But still, we want to define what we think, how we should um, take this journey forward for, for our next generation um, platforms and, and services. So it's a balance mm -hmm. somehow. Uh, one of the books that I was really excited about that I read recently was uh, Team Topologies uh, from, from the DevOps world. And it talks about basically like what is it that we're trying to do constructing, well, it's, it's the reverse Conway maneuver. Like you, <laughs> you, you change your team so that your software is going to be better. And basically what they talk about is that you should be orienting your business around your value streams. And that you, in this fast-changing world, you need as much people as possible to be interfacing with your customers. Yeah. So rather than having lots of silos that are all kind of like have to reconnect, and then there's like the market reconnaissance team that goes out and comes back with the gospel, oh, we figured out that this is what people want. Yeah. You just have a whole bunch of people that are interacting and innovating and changing. So we've been thinking about that, like how can we do that in our company? You know, we're only 60 people. So it's not it's nothing compared to to company like TUI, but it's not easy. Look, where are the where are the boundaries? Like, what are our platforms, and uh, how can we make that transition towards this really platform driven business? And like, what are our customer value streams, and how does this go down at at the scale of TUI? Well, I guess in the first phase, it's like getting everybody on board on the API train getting local teams to submit APIs. And then like a next step, I think, I guess you could start looking at like what are really high value platform services that we could provide for everybody so that we can start restructuring our business towards more of a value stream oriented model. That is something we are doing. So we have a big transformation program at the IT side. Um, the next one is also some kind of transforming the markets and bringing them closer together because we are pretty much talking uh, about IT, but remember that you already need some alignment between local business markets. And if they think this is how they want to sell travel and uh, another market has their 
other understanding and both might be right. You start, let's say, with the disaligned maybe business, how you would like to fix this then in IT. I mean, that is quite quite, quite difficult. Um, so at the end, it will in the future need some more business IT alignment because we are not selling. That's the difference from maybe a software, pure software company. Yeah. Um, but that's the reason why I liked working for TUI, uh, coming from, from a telco and really software-driven business. So you need to, to find that alignment and you need to find those digital experiences that are worse and drive value for our customers. And even we have customers that are not millennials, that are not mm -hmm. born, let's say, digital. Also, this is, is a kind of balance. But still, I mean, my even my mother now starts with her um, electronic watch and her apps on, on the phone and has some expectations, let's say, what a modern uh, company and modern business looks like. And I think that's the interesting thing. That's the challenging thing. Um, organizations, um, I've seen so many uh, organization changes um, from... Uh, top-down to matrix-style organizations. We have still a lot of, let's say, uh, domain-driven teams. I'm always afraid if, if this, from, from a value stream, if this has too many layers uh, from, from an interaction with the customer. But this naturally happens if you divide, let's say, your, your e-commerce and your sales channels from the back-office parts then somehow you end up in those layers. And then there's it's, the approach to, to micro front-end base, so where you really build yes. something like an e-commerce platform and you just have small teams starting and going away that building digital services. Yeah, that, that might be something for a future transformation, maybe. Let, let's see. So I don't think this is where we are at the moment. So we're really trying to, to be a global player now. And really from, from many or we, we form many distributed and virtual teams. Um, this is challenging enough coming from those acquisition and mergers and also from, from very local markets. And building the next generation, let's say, unified platform, still we will see um, if we have, let's say, just local services. I can imagine that we will have parts of them uh, that might look different in different markets. Um, why not? And by providing them as APIs, there's nothing harm in this, I think. Yeah, I think that the, the, the key thing I learned from that is, uh, or what I'm struggling with is, uh, how do you like bring sales, like, like the full cycle from beginning to end, how can you bring it into one team and provide the tools that that team needs to them, to platforms, so that they can be fully self-service or as much as possible self-service. Yeah. And that only for very exceptional cases, you have to like bring in an expert to, to, to solve specific questions. And that's, um, it's like reducing the cognitive load of all these interconnections between yeah. these lots and lots of players so that we can transform from people-to-people -people communication to people-to-machine communication as much as possible so we can reserve the people-to-people -people communication for the places where it really matters and where, where there's value beyond just the transaction. Yeah, it's tricky, but I think that that is the, the future. It's, it's this complex adaptive systems. I, I agree um, that what we want to achieve is nearly 90%, 95% of self-services um, for those teams. 
Nevertheless, what we still see, and also something quite natural, that people like to have someone to interact with, mm. to, to represent that capability, yeah. to talk to, and also the, the business people. They still want to have someone responsible for their specific purpose, and they will never accept just issuing a ticket in, in an electronic system. So. Yeah. Again, this is kind of balance, uh, what we try to achieve. For those who are comfortable, let's say, with interacting virtually, then of course providing self-services. But we have a lot of business that is not IT-backed, let's say. So they, they still are keen on human interactions and communication. Yeah. And also we as, as techies, we need to understand, let's say, the, the business story behind it to build a proper system what are the requirements, um, what is the experiences we want to achieve. Because sometimes there, there are business people that are really uh, traveling around, really talking to the customers, really getting the insights. And that might be different um, for different customers and also different from what we expect or would expect as the tech guys. Mm -hmm. And also we have our own home base, um, but that's maybe not representative. But I think that's that's where the technology platform services the value stream teams that are actually interacting with the customer. So and then their customers are not necessarily the end customer, but they're the the teams that that need to be able to quickly adapt to any changes in the market, so that they can really be adaptive to what is happening on the ground, uh, so that those traveling business people can steer and can, can do quick experiments that don't cost a fortune to implement because there's building blocks that enable yeah, them yeah. to do them. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, we move the, the bottlenecks, let's say, for those kind of experimentations. That's also yeah. a reason, let's say, why we don't or don't want to concentrate, let's say, all API generation, for example, in, in a central big pool of, of talents, instead of enabling everyone to develop into that space and provide their own, even knowing that maybe some are not that experienced and might need to start and start crawling. But I think that's then um, the, the healthiest way of enabling everyone and for us as, as a whole company to, to develop further and to learn uh, to get the necessary feedback and then see what is the next service we might yeah. build up or the next uh, building block, um, the, the next piece of content we need to provide. It's really inspiring to hear how iteratively you're thinking about this and how you're seeing this as a, a learning journey for the whole organization. <laughs> It is, and, and that's somehow difficult because, I mean, as, as I said, I know where I want to be maybe in five years. And with every day, my boss, former boss said, Paul said, uh, it is kind of baby steps you take, yes. but that, that's kind of, of, of normal um, because you, you need to transform and you need to, to take people uh, on, on that journey. Um, and even I don't know what might happen in, in two weeks. Yes. So we have so many priorities changing and, and so many, even in this times, so many things um, that shifts. Um, and, and yeah, let's, let's try the, the best and let's try um, to be that adoptive because I think being a, a digital company is really not just about the success of delivering some, some great piece of software. 
it is parts of this, of course, uh, smart systems and this great research, mm -hmm. uh, but it's also being able, let's say, to adapt and, and to change and, yes. and to learn in fast loops and also to fail, to learn yes. from failure. Yeah, because yes. that's still what I see there. There are many people that think on, on that big upfront yes. plannings and programs. And I always try not to talk about an API program. So it's more a kind of platform or service because if you never change, of course you will not fail, but also you will never change and then extinction is near. So Yes, I think, I, I think our job is to make change or to make failure cheaper. Yeah. I've, had, I've been in calls with customers Sorry, I, I, I'm thinking about one specific call now. Uh, Not came, with us. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> they, they, they came to us and they were like, okay, so we want to do something really big and splashy. And they were specifically asking about the decoupled developer portal. And I told them, like, I think this is a bad idea for your first portal. I would feel much more comfortable to start smaller and so that we can learn together with you rather than to just make a whole bunch of assumptions, build something really expensive to maintain, and then end up with something that's just going to be too heavy to, to keep yeah. carrying. And they, in the end, they went away. They went somewhere else. But I heard later that the, the program is, is not necessarily going that well. And I think that that is the key. But how do you tell that to your management? Like, I need money. The only thing I can really guarantee is that we're going to learn a lot, but I'm not really sure where we're going to end up. And uh, <laughs> I think that's the, that's kind of like. I, I get your point. Um, yeah, maybe I'm kind of lucky um, because I have a management that understands what, what is necessary. Um, but of course, at, at the end, somehow it is about talking that end state you have in mind. And of course, you define some KPIs on this journey and what you need to report them and to really gain trust. But for us, it is, let's say, so we want to know about our customer interactions. Um, we want to, in the future, we want to leverage from some kind of analytics. Um, and of course, all the other things that come with the API program on, on that value stream, but from just from the technology side of view, if we would detect, for example, we would detect failure before our customers do, just yes. by having, let's say, some, some analytics and some tracing on, on the interactions and see, okay, um, response times goes down um, because something just unexpected or some, some incident or whatever. That, then we already achieved, let's say, a good part of, of that story. And I think it's exactly defining those steps, what is valuable, maybe even a short term. And then at the end, if we achieved this, then it's again somehow storytelling. I'm personally, I'm sometimes really bad in this because I'm so focusing then on the next thing that I forget to tell the success story yeah, 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 yeah. that we already have. But luckily, yeah. at least my boss, Elke, uh, she, she really trusts uh, in what we're doing. And there are really many people that really can understand um, how we are already reshaping and, and changing um, the company. Yeah. And, and how it behaves, let's say. It's fascinating. It's a privilege to be able to be part of all these stories and to see how everything is transforming. It, it's, even, it, it's even interesting. So uh, I, I know f for myself, uh, so we have those quarterly uh, reviews, let's say, together yeah. then with our leadership teams. 
And this is really the, the point in time where you sit back and remember, okay, how the last quarter, how the last few months went. And I know, so we started at the end of, of last year to really think about our new big internal API platform, because we have seen we worked a lot um, with, with public and external access. We have our cloud platforms, we have still parts uh, on-prem, but we haven't had so far a, a managed, a central, purely internal um, platform uh, with internal catalogs. So everything was somehow with public and exposed APIs focused. We tried uh, to establish this and we really tried to make it future-proof. So really having some cool technology, having something that is focusing on, on multi-cloud, on cross-regional deployments. And it just took us then two months to, to come to a state where we think we can now roll out and this will be successful. Of course, we need to think about all those operational aspects. How do we maintain, how we do uh, upgrading of those pieces um, as it is a single point of failure, maybe it's so a central system. We need to make those really battle proof um, but we achieved this in quite a few months or even weeks um, and sometimes it's it's really inspiring if you have people if you tell them okay that's the purpose why we're doing this because we want to help our teams our development teams um, to interconnect each other um, as it is quite hard, we have so many different platforms, so many different technologies. Some prefer serverless, some prefer containers, some have commercial of the shelf, big legacy systems. Some just deploy in, in instances um, in virtual machines, bringing them all together, enabling a kind of consistent approach on connectivity, not maybe necessarily on, on the interfaces. There was really then just one quarter um, and then the next big thing comes with next quarter. So I, I really try, let's say, to define those steps. Sometimes you do some things in parallel um, to then form the, the wider story. And our developer portal is one of the next big things we need to do. But it's always hard uh, to start before getting connectivity. Yeah. Uh, so visualizing something that you're not able to expose somehow, <laughs> then... At the end, it's business as usual. So you have those typical onboardings. Um, so of course, we, we always engage onboard new teams, um, tell them how they build up the platforms. And every week, there's one team that wants to bring a new API, two new or three new APIs into production. So of course, you have this continuously running business improvements. Uh, what are the next steps? Um, security, what we want to achieve, what is the next level we want to go automate our vulnerability scannings, getting more insight on, on security access and or threats, let's say, all that with the kind of data we already have. Uh, and that's also then some of those value stories. What can we gain with all the central data we, we now collect? Because that's then at the end also driving the API program forward because we can show you by collecting those things centrally in, in a joint data lake that is there are pattern let's say you couldn't achieve if you just do it let's yeah. say in small teams try to make this comprehensible somehow <laughs> uh, comprehensive <laughs> um, picking some of those stories going to the management and i always prefer having uh, smaller buckets because the main 
budgets so then people talking about millions for the next year and then you have yeah, saving yeah, yeah. programs with you want to go down by 13 percent or whatever and if then i have this small piece uh, i need just 150k or 200k or whatever yeah. um, then it's easier okay yeah uh, write me the proposal and, and the business plan and we do it then in the board besides the other big things and yeah it's also then easier because not every two weeks someone is asking okay how, how do you perform because at yes. the end you, you have a story and I have now the internal developer portal that I can show and that's then yeah. part of the story and the next thing is then with that budget um, to build the next thing and if we are ready and I have maybe three months, four months, but there's a point in time when I want to show you something um, and in between there's a trust relation between us um, that we do the right things. Let's it's an interesting thing that you can do an iterative one. I think this is also depends on how much air cover you're getting from your management. Because if they're like, okay, yeah, here's a couple of millions, go away. I don't want to talk about this crazy API yeah. stuff. Yeah. I guess it's probably, it really depends on the willingness and, and how visionary your management is. If they really don't want to hear about this, then yeah. Well, I, I think it's also a, a about uh, an organization's desire and tolerance for experimentation. Right. Because to iterate requires an appreciation for failing fast, pivoting, trying something new. If some organizations do not tolerate failure very well and they want to invest a lot in planning and they want the return on investment to be very clear from day one, it so it just so happens that uh, a lot of those companies are the ones that are very traditional organizations that uh, first didn't think that digital transformation meant anything to them, and now are waking up and saying like, "Oh yes, we have to transform," and some of them won't. And uh, the Tom Siebel book, uh, you know, some of these uh, big companies are going to go extinct because uh, they have created a culture that can't transform in this environment i mean that's something i'm trying to to tell people that this going digital is not just a kind of journey it's mm -hmm. not something you can sit and and relax and you try to see how others are doing and then you step in it's still a kind of ways and if you don't start sometimes yeah. then it's gone because all, all the markets are already shared and everything is defined um yeah. so it, it, it is it is a kind of balance um of course as we are now talking together and the same way of course we talk internally and apparently they're smart guys and if i have a proposal hopefully it doesn't sound stupid uh, to do um and if you focus on trying to delivering at least let's say the pass into it and and how how this could look like and most bits of it even delivered successfully let's say then you have proven that there's a story and the good thing is um, most of our principles and most of uh, why we're doing digitalization is something our management believes in and, and already buys in yeah. so that's kind of maybe comfortable um, situation. Nevertheless, it's also up 
to me, and that's also some expectation to shape this and how this really should look from a concrete plan and tactical steps and decisions. Yeah. And it's not, not always easy then to do all the priorizations. And it's always the question, is this the piece of cake you want to keep or you want to eat now? And uh, it's uh, different requirements and different priorizations on, in the whole company. Yeah. And of course, everyone's looking on, on feature delivery but nevertheless, my boss just told me yesterday, for example, this, this central tracing we want to enable because we had a lot of different systems uh, for different divisions. Some do that kind of log management. And we decided now to go for a central system and also feed in all the API data and all the metadata to further uh, develop this, aggregate this. And um, there are teams that, of course, have their running systems and don't provide maybe parts of the metadata or don't correlate or don't uh, inject those tracing information. Um, and it's quite hard because this is not an obvious feature. If you have product owners interacting with your business, then uh, the, the message was, we don't want to have a blind flight. We need those information. It's quite natural. And we all, as, as a techie, uh, we all know how important it is to get the insights on those interactions and how those messages flow, how um, problems uh, can be located in large distributed systems. And the message was, if there's someone that sees no value in providing those meta information, then we just need to escalate. And maybe sometimes I'm, I'm too friendly uh, to those teams, but that's exactly the point. We need to set some central objectives and it needs us as, as leaders uh, to define what do we think is the minimum set uh, and the minimum principles we see and we find the necessary objectives and, and results on it or KPIs. And then uh, the other divisions are also measured against those. I think this really talks to your role in this ecosystem being about quality assurance. And then that is an essential component. The traceability and, and the monitoring is an essential component. And then that's out of the question. I think it's, it's similar to security. Yeah, exactly. This is your brand. This is how you protect your brand. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, it's the, those police role. I don't like too much um, because it's always then again more about constraints than providing options. Yeah. But there's some expectations what is basically necessary. And it's always about security. It's about those central bits and pieces. Without this, nothing else will work and provide value. And that's then always, let's say, also part of that story. So you need to, to have both. You need to have a part of, of central governance. Otherwise, you can also not detect uh, if this is non-following our principles or it might be is even a case to, to promote and to show because this is the good thing. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I just want to say thank you, Robin, uh, for joining us today. Yeah, yeah thank you for inviting me and having me here. I really enjoyed, I really liked. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Our pleasure. Uh, Especially uh, that this obviously couldn't be scripted. <laughs> I don't think I would like it if it was scripted. Uh, I, I like the conversation. And uh, Christoph has joked that we probably should call it the API philosophy podcast. And 
don't know. Maybe maybe we should do some rebranding, but uh, I, I like that we get into some philosophical territory. Absolutely agree. Robin, it was it was a pleasure. It was great to be here. Yeah, it's great to talk to you. I wish you great success in your continuing journey of digital transformation at Tui Group. You guys are doing a lot of interesting things, and I think you're doing it very smartly. And thank you for sharing your experience with us. And thank you, Christoph, for engaging with the kinds of prompts and questions that you always have. <laughs> uh, Diving deep down the rabbit hole. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank, thank you both. Thank both. you, Robin. Great session. It's our hope that you're encouraged by today's story and picked up some insights that will help you navigate your digital transformation and make your API program more successful. If you have questions or feedback on the podcast, we invite you to email us at info at Thanks for listening.